Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Words, Images, and Worlds, talking on this episode with a master worlds craftsman, uh, Arthur Slade. May I call you Arthur? Is that okay? Yeah, Arthur. Actually, art art works art. too. Arthur, if you're like, if you're angry and or you want me to, you know, get there quickly, then Arthur. Oh, okay, okay. Art, <laughs> art, it is. Art, it yeah. Is. How um, good you're not mad. <laughs> oh no, no, not at all, not at all. Very, very glad to have you. Thanks for agreeing to be part of the conversation. And as I was saying before we started recording, I'm a, I, I've always had a special place in my heart for science fiction and fantasy um and i do enjoy young adult middle grades work although i don't know do do you consider yourself primarily an author of those areas or i mean i tend to just think of books as books so if you have a young adult protagonist that's great but i as a as an adult can enjoy them too yeah yeah i think you know it's it, it's kind of it, it is really a wide variety of people who end up reading my books, and so I do feel like I often call myself, you know, I'm, I, I'm you know, for years call myself, you know, I write for kids, right? And then mm-hmm. at the further I got along into my career, I realized, well, most of the people I talk to, I mean, I know kids are reading the books, but most of the people I'm talking to, they're actually like my age or older, and I'm going, well, I guess I, I just, you know, I write, I write for middle grade, I write for young adult, and I write for whoever wants to read my book, my books. Yeah, yeah, I know um, lots of folks that like to study middle grade and young adult, but they also like to study them because they love to read them. So it's kind of a, it's a fit in literature that has a lot of flexibility, it seems like. I I agree. And and I think that the, the great thing about it is it can be really simple in terms of story, character, and yet complex at the same time that you're actually getting, you know, a deeper message is something deeper going on, you know, in the metaphors and all of all, all of that, you know, inner workings of a story. But at the same time, it doesn't. And to put it other than to say it doesn't feel like work to receive mm-hmm. all of that. It feels, you know, they tend to be really kind of smooth stories. You're, you're not going to get you know hung up on anything. And yet you are still going to learn something or you know, perhaps have a deep revelation. I won't say that's in any of my books. I'm thinking more of Philip Pullman's books these days. But, um, you know, there's, there's just, there's just, there's a depth there that isn't always noticed at the surface. Yeah, I mean, fantasy and science fiction have that nice mirror quality, right? Like the funhouse mirror of, it's sort of our world, but it's sort of not. So it, it gives you the chance to do some really interesting commentary. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of, well, from my end, it's fun to kind of think, uh, you know, how how can I change this thing? I, I'm thinking specifically, I have a steampunk series called Mission Clockwork. It's called The Hunchback Assignments. It's in, in different countries where it's published. It has different names, right? Mm. But I really wanted to write a Victorian novel, but I wanted to make it science fiction. And so it was, how can I make it as close to what actually happened in the Victorian times, but still add all of the steampunk, you know, elements of airships and all of that. And and it was just, it was really kind of, um, well, it was fun and it was challenging to to keep it as historical as possible, but to add those other elements and make them make sense within the story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I love the, the steampunk approach and I love your approach with those books. I think the first one I read was Mr. Paradise. I think that was the first one. Um, Mr. Paradise. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I get oh, the... That's... 
Mr. Universe. I'm sorry. Mr. Universe. Okay. Sorry about that. Did I write a book called Mr. I know I I have a few books out there. Sorry about that. Oh, yes. Yeah. And then I kind of worked my way back once I discovered that one. Um, Just just to, well, the title grabbed me and then just an interesting concept of exploring the world um, in that way through the genre. I think it's a good example of something that, I mean, those are shorter books and they're they're I, I think it's only twenty thousand words, you know, and most books are sixty thousand up to a hundred. Well, depending on J.K. Rowling, it's like five hundred million words or whatever it is she writes. But you know, those those shorter books that you really have to have a lean story. And so I had a lot mm-hmm. of fun with you know writing about somebody traveling around different universes, and still making it a short short enough story was was a, a challenge, but also just uh, it was just it it made it more entertaining for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say that title one more time since I flubbed it the first time through. Mr. Universe would be the book yeah. to look for. Mr. Universe. That's right. Mr. Um, universe. That, and people think it's all about weightlifting, but it's about somebody going to another universe to find a date. And I mean, that's the other thing that was just fu- funny to me. It, I, I just thought that was where the very first Id- idea was. What if you couldn't find a date in your own universe and you had to go somewhere else? And I thought that's so, so high school and so me hilarious and, I, and i'm sure when i was in high school i probably needed to go to a couple different universes so so that's that was you know that's the beginning point and it's always fun to to find that point because then you know yeah i think there's a story here of course you have to do the work to write the rest of it yeah yeah and i imagine i mean being kind of the science fiction world you do have to bring in some of those elements of okay how close to reality can i make this and yet twist it just slightly so that it fits yeah and you, you don't ever want it to fall apart you want to because these it was meant to be humorous novels so you want to have humorous things happen but if it gets too zany too crazy then you know readers get to a point where they go ah this isn't making sense anymore mm-hmm. I, I gotta throw this little book away <laughs> yeah uh, was it science fiction and fantasy that drew you in as a young reader or did those things come along later you know, that's, uh, I, when I think about it, when I really encountered fantasy was what I encountered first. And it was, it was, it was an educator. It was in grade four, our uh, teacher, Mr. Fitzgerald read The Hobbit. And oh, yeah. I yeah. was just shocked. Like, I just couldn't believe that, you know, I mean, obviously I'd, you know, watched Disney and all those other things, but just the whole being pulled into that world with hobbits and spiders and dwarves and all that. I think that really kind of that changed my brain and I just I just loved it and you know started reading more and more of it and then and it was of course I'm growing up in the 80s so I back then you know what's the Lord of the Rings and and then I'm getting into like Robert Heinlein for science fiction and and just kind of discovering all the classics I guess is what I was doing and then it became natural once you know once I thought, well, I should write something, you know, this is, and I keep, my theme seems to be that I'm blaming educators for this, but in grade 11, you know, one of my English teachers made us write a short story and I thought, oh, okay, I'll do it. I'll write a short story and, and, uh, and ended up getting a hundred percent. And it was like a science fiction story about, uh, about the Antichrist. Cause of course I had to make it like the worst thing <laughs> I could think of, uh, who was, who was using a computer to take over the world. And, and so, you know, you get a hundred percent and I thought, oh, this is what I was meant to do. Not knowing how much more work it would be after that, but it really, it just felt natural to me that once, 
once I thought of myself as a writer, then then I started to to I didn't gravitate towards anything other than science fiction and fantasy. I would write things every once in a while that were real in a sense, but this that's where I just always felt the most normal. Although I, I have to say, you know, now that's now I've been doing this for 25 years. And it wasn't really until the last five or six years that I really switched to fantasy and really, I, I don't know how to put it, felt confident enough to write fantasy. Mm-hmm. Because fantasy is so, especially when you're creating a totally different world, it was so, it's so not, it's not different because it's a reflection of our world, but you have to, you have to make everything up, but it all yeah. has to make sense. And that's why when I was talking previously about the Victorian era, in some ways, that was a little easier because I'm just kind of taking a step off of that and, you know, getting ideas from that. But with fantasy, it's like this world has to be people have to believe that it's real. And yet it has to mm-hmm. be something that comes out of my head. You think about I mean, you mentioned Tolkien, that kind of world building, which I suppose is what I love about it, too. Like You have the map, you have the languages, you have the the different beings and the way they interact and this whole social and political structure. Uh, which is really it's complex to think through and to think, okay, I'm going to build this from the ground up. And how did this come to be and how to make it believable? I mean, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's a gift. It's, it's, um, you know, I, I found two ways of doing it. And the first way I have a book called Crimson, which is a fantasy novel, again, set in, set in another in an alternate world where a queen has ruled for a thousand years and she's, kind of crushed all the cultures there. So there's all, all kind of a bit of cultural commentary and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But I I thought, oh, I have to, like I wrote out the whole history of the world and, and you know, what was her history? What were all the characters? What Even even though in the time that it takes place is like a thousand years after her reign, I'm still, I feel like I have to know everything in the first thousand years, even though it's not even going to appear in the book. So it's like, you know, that little iceberg kind of thing where, where I, the readers are only going to see the top of the iceberg, but I've got to figure all this stuff out. And, and I think that really helped me to understand the world, to make it feel real to me, so that when I was writing it, I would hope it would feel real to the readers. And, and so it was, that was my kind of my one way of doing it. <laughs> and then when I decided to write Dragon Assassin, and I, I, I will admit that Dragon Assassin is, I just, thought what's not, not the silliest idea because i really really actually like those novels but the, an idea that's just crazy like and you know what's the craziest thing you can think of an assassin riding a dragon and <laughs> and to me that just feels like this has to be a story that charges straight ahead like there's no pause to to go back for a thousand years and talk about all the things that happened and so for that book it was such a different experience because i just sat down and i started writing it and the kind of pushed the world in as I was going along and was taking notes and, and, you know, later on would have to go back many pages to change things, but it was all just kind of appearing in my head at, at the, at that time. So there was no pre-knowledge of what the world was. And, and for that book, uh, that series of books, it, it worked really well to just make it up on the spot <laughs> and then <laughs> correct it all later. So that it all made sense. Yeah. No, that's, and I mean, thinking about such an action-oriented story, such a driving forward, um, that that makes sense and fits that world. Um, has your process changed as you've gone throughout the various series that you've worked on? I think it's, you know, it's 
it adapts, my process adapts to what the book needs. So when I was thinking about Crimson, Crimson is a, it's probably, a, I mean, lots of action happens and it's not really a slower novel, but there's a bit more, there's more depth in the world building and, and, and more kind of background information. So I really felt like that's why I had to do all that, get all the information and kind of write slower. <laughs> mm-hmm. But with the Dragon Assassin books, I write them very, very quickly because it feels like the first thing I have to do is get that story out. And and that's kind of regular. I, when I do write, I tend to write faster, part, partly because my horrible secret is that I don't like writing first drafts. So just want to get it out of the way as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and I mean, that's all the work for me is in, you know, writing the second, third and fourth and however <laughs> many numbers I drafts, you know, after that. So uh, I think that really what happens is, is that whatever the novel really needs, whether it needs tons of research in that slower kind of story, then my process becomes that. And, mm-hmm. and I, I think specifically, I have a, a book called Megiddo Shadow, which is set in World War One, and it's inspired by my my grandfather. This is actually one of my few, you know, historical fiction, just straight historical fiction with no fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandfather, who came from England, ended up being sent to Egypt in World War One, and then fought in Palestine or modern day Israel. So. If you've seen Lawrence of Arabia, I'm sure you have, and, and it's all kind of taking place in that era, that time. And in fact, not that he would have met Lawrence of Arabia, but it was all those kind of campaigns. And so that was for a guy who's living in you know Canada and Saskatchewan in in 2002 at the time. Uh, it was I had to learn so much about the history. Yeah. I had to do just I felt like I had. To, I mean, I read, and, and I'm not really joking every world war one novel in existence and obviously i couldn't read them all but i it was a long list and then every novel about what was it like being in england in that time what was it like being in palestine you know what was it like riding a horse and and having (laughs) and and having a saber and also you know Mm -hmm. charging uh, machine guns while holding your saber all those things i had to understand and then work them into the novel which uh, i'm reminded that my my editor, after she read the first draft, which was really, really long, she said, uh, you know, Art, this is really, really good. They always start out like that. This is really, really good, except your readers don't want to know about every bolt on every ship in World War One. I. I thought, oh, you're telling me <laughs> i got to cut things out. <laughs> and I probably cut it almost in half, but uh, it was a better book by the end. What a world of research. And I mean, you talked about like the kind of the tip of the iceberg with Crimson. Uh, I mean, to take that approach and, you know, every moment is crafted in that way. And you've yeah, had to decide and, what fits. Yeah, that's right. And, and I even I went to England and, and went to the Imperial War Museum and, you know, saw the actual document. It's it just uh, crazy things, right? Like they have all of the the what the the lieutenants and the colonels are writing like with the pencil. So these mm. documents are a hundred years old and they're out in the desert and writing with pencil about, you know, this is how much rain we got that day. This is how many people died. And, you know, and this is what we did. And, and then it all ends up back in England and is preserved. And, mm. and so, you know, those are the kind of things that really make me feel, they don't necessarily make it into the book, but make me feel like I understand have, have the depth. On, and on top of that, there's the fact that it's my inspired by my grandfather's story. So there's all this kind of family emotional weight to 
make it into something that really kind of, even though he died when I was seven or eight, you know, make it into something that that um, reflected him in some manner. Does the personal make its way into your fantasy in some ways? Does it kind of get woven in? I mean, it's hard not to remove everything, but are there elements that you go, oh yeah, that's this person or this moment or this story? Yeah, I think I think it's a little bit harder for that in in kind of pure fantasy, other than the emotions, you know, the emotions mm -hmm. they feel. Like if, if somebody dies, then, I, you know, I've had people die in my life. And so, you know, those kind of things you draw from. And if somebody feels angst, well, I felt, felt angst in high school. And if this person feels angst, you know, charging towards a dragon, then there's, <laughs> a, there's a bit of a comparison there. <laughs> um, so, so in that sense, it does, it does, you know, things you've experienced have, have worked its way in. I would say in what really works its way in, and is going back to Tolkien and all the books that I you know, read and continue to read, they, they're they all kind of like, I feel like they're, I was going to say they're on my shoulders or I'm standing on their shoulders. You know, the books are all kind of there and I'm going, I want mm -hmm. to do something. I know it's not going to be as good as those things that they created, you know, the classics, but I just, I'm just inspired by, you know, the, the fact that about how they affected me as a reader. And so when I have Brax, who's the dragon and dragon assassin, who's just like a total smart aleck, right? Well, you can't help but think of Smog. Or, I never know if I'm saying Smog right. The one thing about the Lord of the Rings movies. It worked for me. <laughs> oh, good. True, good. But, yeah. You know, Smog and yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, um, so you know, get, getting a character like that can't, can't help but kind of it's not i'm not creating the same character but he he's obviously an influence so those kind of things get drawn in yeah yeah uh, it would be great fun and i know it's hard to compare yourself to the masters and that's a an act of humility but just to imagine yourself as part of the inklings and as part of that weekly hey what are you writing about hey what are you writing about that's, yeah. a, that's a really cool thing um yeah the other thing that I'll mention about your books, especially for educators that are looking to connect readers or just readers out there that are looking to connect is um, they often unfold into multiples. So in the way that uh, world building does uh, your your first book, for example, and I'm going to probably mispronounce it, speaking of mispronouncing things, but drug error, drug error. Oh. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I'm not, I, I should, probably shouldn't have titled my book Draugr is how I say it, Draugr, but it's yeah. an Icelandic word. And if someone Icelandic is listening, they could correct both of us because I'm probably saying it incorrect too. But yeah, that that was the first book in that, in the Northern Fright series. And it, they do tend to just, you write one, you go, oh, I should do more of that. Yeah, well, when, as you said, you invest all of this into the world. And so it's like, okay, there's there's more to this and there's more to tell. Um, which is, it's a joy as a reader, but it's also as an educator that's looking to book match. Um, if you get a student that's really into something to say, okay, mm -hmm. you can now expand. And, um, you know, of course, my going back again to our comparison with Tolkien or Tolkien, um, you know, you, you get to look at those indices of multiple things that were part of that world building yeah. process so i hope you've stored yeah. all those somewhere as uh, <laughs> as the atlases of the world you've created <laughs> yeah yeah that's right that's right his his work is right it, it is tolkien isn't it that's another thing the movies did all my life it's tolkien or mm -hmm. tolkien and then suddenly it's tolkien i have to remember that 
but but his his work was especially i mean i would never ever get to that stage where i would invent a new language and 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 basically you know his his description of the world that he uses to write the lord of the rings ends up being you know novels on, on their own almost um but but yeah i do i do try and you know keep that keep i try to keep all that stuff um in my in my archives in a sense so that, so that i can look back and just kind of remember what i did although archives have changed a lot since when i started now it's all oh, yeah. digital and so things just unfortunately vanish or uh, i'm thinking specifically of like the 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 uh, little discs I have that I have no computer to put them in anymore. Mm -hmm. I have my own mm -hmm. stories and going, maybe there's a good one back there that would have made me a million dollars. Somewhere on a three by five floppy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I always like to sort of conclude and you're welcome. If I missed anything that was on the list or anything that you want to make sure to share out there, you're welcome to, of course, but I always like to give folks a chance to talk about what they're currently working on, what's ahead. Um, understanding that sometimes things can't be announced, but if you do want to, to hat tip to upcoming events, titles and, and things like that, that people can look for. Yeah, certainly, certainly. Well, I it's curious. I'm working on two things. One is, so I have the Dragon Assassin series, and and you, I, I I want people to think that authors actually plan things, but apparently I don't, because I thought it was only a three book series. It became a five book series, and I was really happy with that. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, that's great. And then someone said, you know, have you ever uh, decided to have you ever tried writing from the dragon's point of view? And, and I thought, oh, now I have to write a, you know another book or at least a trilogy to just do from the dragon's point of view, which was has been an interesting challenge. So I'm. I'm working on the first book in that, you know, it's another dragon assassin book, but it's from the dragon's point of view, who he's snarky in the books. Now he's snarky 100% of the time. <laughs> it's very scary. And the other thing that, that I'm working on, I'm a big Dungeons and Dragons fan, and hmm. I'm also a big heavy metal fan. And so I'm, I'm working on a book that doesn't really have a title yet. I'm pretty well finished it though. So I better, I better find a title soon, but it's kind of, it's kind of what the, the lit RPG or the role-playing game literature, it's kind of a mix of Dungeons and Dragons in a world where, uh, that is also kind of run by a heavy metal dude, we'll say. Oh, and, awesome. Awesome. And it's just the, it's the weirdest, I hope it's funny thing to be working on, but it means that I can listen, crank up a lot of that, the old uh, Judas Priest Iron Maiden in the background and, and right away and make all these references that anybody who, hasn't listened to the 80s you know heavy metal scene will go oh what's he talking about but hey it's my book i can make the references that's right that sounds like tons of fun i'm looking forward to that and i'm looking forward to the the perspective of the dragon one of my favorite books from the 90s was robert backer's raptor red it was when um, oh. jurassic park was really popular and he writes oh. from like the perspective of the the creature um, so that'll be really interesting to check out sort of the, oh, i'll have to look that up thanks for that that tip yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, it sounds like wonderful things ahead. And I, I'm going to say Arthur, not because I'm mad, but because yeah. that's the, that's the, the way your name is styled on the book. So uh, recommending Arthur Slade out there, um, historical fiction, fantasy, science fiction, and lots of good things to come. You can consider the middle grade young adult uh, or just enjoyable books. So thank yeah. you so much for talking with us. You're welcome. Thank you.